Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. From the Kurtz Polaris Studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Just like Gene and Roy singing. Welcome back, Tutel Nuanez, 1029 ESPN Radio. Sports Center brought to us by Aaron Pignano of Exit Realty in Missoula. Great to be with you on this very fine Monday afternoon. Back in the saddle. That's the theme, Coulter. You and your wife love karaoke so much. Yes. If you were to force me to do karaoke, had to do it. Yeah. This is the song I'd this sing. Is, this is what you'd do? Yeah. Okay. Well. Back when I was a younger man, you know, seven or eight years old, I uh, <laughs> I fancied fancied myself uh, the next great country western singer. My buddy uh, Will Cusker and I, we used to do, uh, at, the, at the Hellgate Elementary Talent Show, we used to do yeah. our best Garth Brooks renditions. So this song and Rodeo by Garth Brooks, those are the two. I got it all down. Choreography and everything. Now, this isn't Garth Brooks, is it? No, no, it's Toby Keith. Okay. Yeah, the pre-9-11 Toby Keith, which is definitively different than the post-11 Toby, Toby Keith. Okay. Uh, if you uh, missed anything in the first hour of the show, check it out on the podcast. To Tell No One's podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. It's available thanks to Alpine Touch and Blackfoot. You want to call 361-3688 is the phone number. 361-3688 is the phone number. 
all guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. So we appreciate uh, them being in here with us. Coulter, as we uh, jump in here into hour number two, we'll get into some basketball stuff in a minute, but I wanted to do a couple of local things, or at least one local thing here uh, briefly to start off the top, and that is that Jeff Snavely, who has been uh, in the news repeatedly here now for the last about six weeks or so has officially resigned as of Friday from uh, being the head coach of the Darby High School football team. Uh, Snavely made a, a, a post that was offensive to some on uh, social media on Facebook at the end of May and was reprimanded and penalized by the school board and you know amidst further backlash was sort of that that was uh, reinvestigated or brought back up I guess and ultimately he was given a one year suspension without pay along with other items of you know reparation that he was going to have to make amends that he was going to have to make into including taking classes and and uh, uh, perhaps speaking to the student body and so forth and so on about uh, about what he had said and and changes that he was going to make uh, I don't know where we stand with that stuff but as of Friday, Ultimately, Jeff Staley resigned altogether from being the head coach of uh, the Derby football team, which he has been for uh, uh, seven seasons prior. Look, man, small town football, like the the, the whole thing, like I, I kind of understand some of the fabric of all of that. This looks bad on the Derby school district. Exactly. They had an opportunity to just do the right thing at the very start of this and say, no, we're not going to allow this sort of thing to be said. Whatever the context was, whatever the meaning that you had, you know, put out there or, or, or thought that you were sort of insinuating, this is not acceptable from a coach of a team, from a, a, a school representative, or, or if it was a teacher, he's not a teacher, but, a, you know, and so on and so forth. We're not going to do this. Instead, it got drawn out. There was a school board meeting. There was a... Uh, uh, a back and forth, you know, a statement made in a meeting, a, a, a penalty handed down, then backlash from that, and then this basically came up again. The school board remet another harsher penalty handed down, but still not a a firing. And now finally, I don't know what the impetus was at this moment or you know this past week for the resignation itself. Uh, but now we kind of come to the end of this when it could have all been done a month ago or more. And it would have been it would have been over and done with from the Darby School Board point of view. So now here we are still talking about this thing, and this is ongoing, and get to probably where we should have been at the very start of it, and now here we are ultimately anyway. And yet the resignation part of this appears for the impetus not even that to have fallen on the part of the school board here, but on Mr. Snavely himself. I mean, it's been the way that they handled it has been the biggest disaster of all of it, with the exception of probably uh, the really poor decision to post what Jeff Snavely, Snavely posted uh, on social media some two months ago. I mean, it's a good thing that they're, that marketing is not that necessary for Class C high school sports. In fact, it's largely irrelevant. Because this is a PR disaster, and uh, you know, in a little town like Darby, you kind of just you are where you're at, and you're going to have as many students as you're going to have, and that's about it. But you know, if if you were to overlay this or or have this situation happen somewhere else, it, this could be it could be even more detrimental for a longer amount of time. I, I'm like stuck on this 
Because on one hand, they should have fired him in the first place. That would have been the right message to send. But the fact that Jeff Snavely now resigned, this will, by and large, probably go away. And I think that, ironically, is actually an issue as well. Right. Because now the school board members are... I mean, if Jeff Snavely was to be retained, and I'm not... I was never lobbying for that whatsoever, but at least the the issues at hand would have to be readdressed constantly. And Jeff Snavely was going to be expected to host community forums talking about race relations and things like that, social injustice. I said on the show a couple weeks ago when we were first breaking this down that I thought that that would be... Um, he, I didn't think he was necessarily the right person to be the one hosting those sorts of things. But I do think that those sorts of conversations do need to be happening all over the entire country, let alone in the state of Montana. And now with him resigning, I'm not sure. I don't think that, the, that I think that means that these won't happen. So in a, uh, in a cruel irony, this sort of goes away, which then doesn't hold the people accountable who made the wrong decision right. in the first place. Right. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. At the end of the day, too, though, you know, if you are... If whatever penalties get handed down in any situation, this or any other, and the person who is the one who is is having to do those things, who is who's paying the price for for the poor choice that they have made, is merely doing this as a hoop jumping activity, and not in fact as a recognition of a a failing that they made, of a shortcoming that they had, you know, then then also even revisiting it becomes, you know, sort of a kangaroo court sort of situation where it's just it's just for show and it's not real mm-hmm. and no one can make anything real. Like no you the the only person that can make it real is is you for yourself is is the individual coming to terms with whatever whatever it is that they think they need to come to terms with or don't. You know, and you can't it's it's really hard to force people to do that. I mean, the way that that happens is I think you you come into contact with other people, especially people who are different from you, different from you and where they come from and what they look like and what their experiences are and what their histories are. And when you are sitting down with one another and spending time with one another, you you know, that opens both sides up when it's done in a, you know, in a in a in a safe, friendly, kind context, you know, and. If that wasn't going to happen, then no one can force anybody into that. You know, it's just it's something that just needs to happen. And, you know, it'd be nice if it happened more. I understand why it doesn't happen more. And I hope that it will begin to happen a little bit more. And then and we can find some of that for everybody. Gary Smith, who's my sports writing idol. uh, Gary Smith is uh, among the great writers in 20th century American history, in my opinion. Longtime writer for Sports Illustrated wrote some of the most impactful articles. Um in the history of that magazine. And he wrote an article, probably it's about probably half a dozen years ago now, maybe five years ago, uh, all about the history of athletes taking a stand and how that's gone by the wayside largely. But I do think the one positive that we can take from this is how much your voice, if you have a platform, no matter if you work in the sports media like we do or you're somebody that kids around the state and the country look up to like Grizz football players and Bobcat football players, that your voice does matter because I really do think that the outcry on Twitter, particularly by some of the African-American members of the Grizz football team, as well as the Montana State football team as well, I think that that had a huge play in this. I, yes. I really do think that, that that noise... That was an engine and a motor. It, it, and not it, it was, and I hope, I hope those guys remember that. 
how, the the impact their words can have. Guys like Sammy and Cam and Samari Torre, I mean, they were really vocal about this, and they did some Zoom calls with Sean Rainey, you know, at SWX Montana, and uh, your voice does matter, and it can resonate, and it can lead to change. And we're seeing it from the pro sports level on down. I mean, it's my opinion, and one of the things I love about sports the most, and this has been the thing that we've talked about so much with all these race riots and the social injustice that's been brought to the forefront over the last several months here in in the United States. Sports itself is the thing that I think can integrate and bring us together more than anything. Mm -hmm. I was telling you, I mean, when I was a little kid... I was living in a town in Nevada of a thousand people. I mean, nothing, tiny, Ely, Nevada, middle of the mountains. And I, I thought, I was thinking about this the other day. All of the people that I looked up to were people of a different race than me that I'd never seen before in my life in person and probably never will see in person. Yet, the amount of admiration and respect and, I mean, the amount I turn those people into heroes in my mind that's where that's what sports is though i mean mm-hmm. it can ease it so much and i would say some of the most impactful people of the entire 20th century when it comes to race relations are guys like jackie robinson muhammad ali you know i mean so many different sports figures i mean bill russell kareem abdul jabbar these guys changed the world and i hope that but it went away you know the michael jordan marketing machine that then everybody tried to copy i'm going to make my brand i'm going to be an enterprise it made the the social impact of sports figures dissipate quite a bit, but it seems to me that it's coming back. Mm-hmm. And, and I think LeBron James deserves a ton of credit. I for was that. just going to say, I mean, why is it coming back? Because it, it's coming back championed by by one person most centrally, and that is LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, it's two tell Nuanas, one two nine ESPN Radio. Speaking of LeBron James, speaking of the NBA. We talk a little NBA, Coulter? Love to. When is the NBA coming back? July 31st. Yeah, I think we have about a uh, little less than three weeks. Yeah, it's like 18 days, something like that from right now. Uh, if if things progress well, it's hard to say exactly at this very moment how they're progressing. The, we'll start with the, the, the worst news, the bad news here, and that is that Russell Westbrook, has announced that he has uh, contracted the coronavirus, tested positive for COVID-19. He uh, tested positive prior to... Reporting. Yes, that's right. Prior to Houston going, the Rockets going to Orlando. So no one who entered the bubble, to our knowledge, has tested positive for having the coronavirus uh, in the NBA. But Russell Westbrook is the most... uh, prolific basketball player to test positive to this point. Uh, He tweeted, and I don't have the tweet here sitting in front of me, but essentially saying, you know, I feel well, I'm in good, good strength, good spirits. And I, you know, as I look forward to rejoining my team as soon as I'm medically cleared to do so. Uh, And so we certainly wish him the best in, in, you know, overcoming this and, and uh, you know, we'll be excited for him to get back and maybe he can even get back in time for the, the restart of this thing as well. Since like you said, it's, it's about, three weeks out and this is it just, the announcement came yesterday or today but he's he's tested positive for it several days ago so he's already 
at least a week, I guess I would say, into the having tested positive for it. Who knows how long he's in fact had it, uh, and what does that mean for the rest of the team and all that? You know, this is the stuff that we don't know. It's just, it's just uh, that is the nature of the beast, as it were, when it comes to this. But. Uh, there they are, and now the the bubble has been entered by quite a number of teams and players, and they're you know having some good old Disney fun in Orlando amidst practicing and playing you know basketball and doing you know getting ready uh, and preparing for for having an NBA a finish to this NBA season, which amidst everything that we've been talking about is is great, man. I mean, I mean, we're talking about a, 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 just over a week away from Major League Baseball, and. Uh, uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks from the NBA. We've seen a lot of information about how coronavirus impacts high-risk portions of the population. I think everybody's well aware that people that have respiratory issues and people that are older are much at much higher risk of having severe complications and or fatal complications from the coronavirus. Yeah. I would love to see a scientific study of the guys in the NBA that have gotten it. Because I would just love to see, just from the science perspective, what does the virus do to somebody who's in perfect shape? I mean, you can't be in better shape than Russell Westbrook, right? I'm in perfect shape. It's an <laughs> O. <laughs> but, I mean, like Donovan Mitchell and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, I mean, I would love to see those studies. You know, how does the virus yeah. impact well, the and opposite think, of a high risk? I, I person, also think, right? too, that it, uh, I mean, I don't know, but it, 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 you can have two perfectly healthy, like great shape and, and right. people, and it and it has almost nothing, no negative effect on one person, and a hugely negative effect on the other. And and I mean, again, it's 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 one of those, it's just very difficult to know how any individual is going to react to it until more, I guess, is found out as as the scientific community is able to make those inroads. But you're right. I mean, when you hear that Russell Westbrook has coronavirus. It does not come, at least for me and I think for most, with 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 dismay and 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 worry and sadness and shock and horror that, that this man's life is at risk. You don't right. feel that at this moment. Maybe if that were to happen, I think that would change the complexity and and, and there's a complexion, excuse me, of all of this. Oh, if, if we had a professional athlete that was hospitalized and or died from coronavirus, they would turn the world on its head. Yes, but the presumption is, like you said, like, well, it's that's too bad. Hope he doesn't pass it to anybody. Give him two weeks and he'll be fine. Like right. that's what that's what everybody just assumes about Russell Westbrook and and. Hopefully, absolutely, that that is exactly the case. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting stuff. I would just love to have a follow up on some of these NBA guys because I do think they would be a great sample size for the opposite of it. You know, I mean, because we've we've heard several ways to mitigate it, but I, to me, it seems that the better health you're in, the the less um, potentially detrimental it could be. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, 
Well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house, you left it in my house, and I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I actually think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short, everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana, Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch, and it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, So go to alpinetouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Let's talk a little bit about Orlando because I think that when when the NBA was debating where to go and, and whether they were going to go, but then it came down to basically Vegas and Orlando. Yes. I thought Ryan Rosillo made a really good point on his most recent podcast. He was talking about all the employees who work for Disney. So these guys are going to be staying in Disney hotels. All of the services they're going to be receiving are going to be from Disney employees. But Rosillo said one thing that the league hadn't considered is how strong the Disney employee union is. It's Mm. one of the strongest unions in the country. Working for Disney is a great job when it comes to benefits. They're going to negotiate your contract well for you. You You're going to have guarantees in terms of money and Mm -hmm. salary and all this stuff. But like Rosillo was saying— And by the way, people think about Disney as the ticket takers and the ride operators. No, 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 no. Disney is— a scale of epic proportions, right. what Disney corporate you know, corporation is and the employees that it has. One point Rasul made, though, was that because of the strength of the union and because this is a, a sort of an out-of-the-blue occurrence that is taking place, you, the Disney itself cannot alter the contracts they have with their employees and then put in new uh, uh, new uh, demands Language, say, yeah. saying, hey, I guess his point was Disney cannot require their employees to quarantine. They cannot require them to do anything when they're not at the resort. And that's going to be, to me, the biggest question mark mm-hmm. of this thing. Because I do think that, like the NBA, the organizations, they can tell their players, here's the deal. You guys are in here. This is a violation yeah. of your contract. you got 800 acres. You will this stay it. in it, and you will stay on it, and that's the end. Yeah. Totally. And I, I wonder, first of all, we've seen a few guys stepping away now and saying, hey, you know, after further consideration, I don't want to leave my family. I mean, Avery Bradley was kind of the first one, but mm-hmm. we've seen several guys now that have been like, man, I just don't know if I can do that. I'm just not going to do it. You wonder how many more of those are coming. But then also you just wonder, all it takes is a couple Disney employees then bringing it back, and then all of a sudden the players are being exposed, and then that's going to be the thing that's going to be so detrimental. So as, as Rosillo was saying, ironically, it would have been better in Vegas because they, there's not an employee union. It's not mm. run by a corporation. And so like a whole, you know, a couple Caesars Palace and the MGM could just say, okay, do you want to sign up to be the guys that are catering to the NBA players? Okay, you have to not, you have to quarantine you yourself. You have to stay here. You have to stay yeah, here, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's in a contract. And they can't do that now. And I, so I think that that maybe was a misstep by the league, but we'll see. 
Uh, let's talk a little basketball. Yeah, let's do it. How about that? Brett Brown, head coach of the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, who... It's interesting, the, the arc of, the, of Brett Brown. No one, you know, outside of like hardcore basketball people and maybe the city of Philadelphia, knew who Brett Brown was when he became the head coach of the 76ers. Right. He was a largely anonymous figure. When it comes to basketball, he, he took. Did, a, he did have the pop ties, though, right? I mean, he was. Yeah. Like, oh no. People dad. know people, but he he was an assistant coach, sure. and he yeah, he yeah. had you know. So you just, people just don't know who who this guy is. He is selected to be the head coach of the 76ers while they are actively doing everything in their power to lose as many games as they possibly can from a front office standpoint. And he's the guy who, while being aware of this fact, is charged with. Attempting to win the games regardless, even though he's got you at center and me at power forward. Which <laughs> yeah. is a very difficult task to well, do. Well, and we would have been better than the guys he had only because he had multiple guys that literally couldn't even walk. I mean, Nerland's Noel was just a disaster. I mean, right, that's me. That's to, to look for, no knee. You know, I mean, so, Marco Fultz can't shoot. Um, in any case, he and, and he became, though, a very sympathetic figure because Indeed. of what he endured and all of that was passed off to general manager and ownership in Philadelphia in the you know the tanking and the whole thing and it comes out partially successfully partially unsuccessfully but you get two pretty transcendent talents and a nice group of role players around them and now you have Simmons and Embiid and now this is the time where this group was supposed Supposed to be hugely successful, and even though they, of course, the Markel Fultz was was just a wild, wild miss. And I, again, I don't even hold the 76ers accountable. This is, this is a, that was a very odd thing that took place with Markel Fultz. Brett Brown is losing, and in fact, has lost. I think all of the sentiment that was with him up to this point, which was, okay, no, no, no. But now you're at the point where it is on you. You have the pieces to be better than what you are. Prove it that you can do it. Anyway, he's saying that he is, at least in practice, he has been playing Ben Simmons exclusively at power forward as opposed to point guard. So you have your two transcendent talents both on the interior, which is a complete reversal of what is the trend in the NBA at this very moment. What do you think? I love it. I I think it's exactly what should happen because you don't have to completely forfeit Ben Simmons' point guard abilities by not playing him at the point, but now he can still get the rebound and bring the ball up sometimes, like LeBron James does. But you, but now that if, he, if he's not the one that's the uh, the instigator of the offense, it's like Brett Brown told ESPN. He said, "Let's just talk about speed." He said, "If he, if if it's up to me, if, you, if my money is that Ben Simmons is the fastest baseline to baseline player in the entire NBA." I don't think that most basketball people would have said that. Would you have said that Ben no. Simmons? Mo and Bamba. I, and I don't know. I don't know if he's actually faster than you know Russell Westbrook. Eh, I'd love to see a foot race. I I but, know for a fact he is not faster than Russell Westbrook. Right. Okay. But 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 it is different. The, 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 po- the point the point is, is made. The, the point yeah. is that we hardly know how fast Ben Simmons is because Ben Simmons is hardly ever running on the fast break and filling the lane because he's trying to get the outlet pass to be the guy yeah. throwing the pass. Yeah. Now he can still instigate the offense from time to time, but now he can also fill the lane. And now, with a more ironically, the thing the Sixers were trying to do was to be so atypical. Now, if he moves to the four, now you can play uh, the dude who they're playing at point guard, who's like an old D league guy. I can't even remember his name. But then you could play him next to 
Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. And now you have a gigantic front line. I mean, you're going 6'8", 6'10", 6'11", 7'1". But you can can have a way more traditional style of playing and accentuate what Ben Simmons does best. And now, I mean, what, what do we see? When Ben Simmons initiates the offense and then, you know, the ball goes to Joel Embiid in the post... Joel B can get doubled so easily because Ben Simmons cannot shoot the ball. He can't hit threes. You don't have to worry about that as much, though, if he's just on the block. It could be the thing that revolutionizes his career because he's already been really good. But he could, I mean, he's an unbelievable talent. This could be the thing that really uh, helps him achieve his full potential. This change is an offensive change. So it makes sense to talk about this from an offensive lens. But I would like to talk about this on the other side of the ball or the tandem nature of this. The idea of the shift of of the game moving to the perimeter has also come with the latent presumption that that changes who the players are. You got different guys doing it. It's not the centers. It's not the seven footers that are out there. It's the six seven guys and the six five guys that are out there filling up the, with three pointers and and running on the outside. Ben Simmons running at the point guard. They wanted it to be a Giannis type of situation. But offensively, Ben Simmons is going to be a matchup nightmare no matter where he sets up and no matter what position he plays unless he is being guarded by LeBron or Giannis. Those are the only two guys I'm aware of. Maybe Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi. Kawhi probably. But I mean, basically, wherever you set him up, he's going to be a problem for whoever's guarding him. Right. Going the other direction, though, what the thought was, well, if you have if you bring in a center and a power forward, now who's going to guard the perimeter? Well, because the guy who was the point guard is now the power forward, he still can guard the perimeter. Exactly. He still has the skill set to guard, who, you know, the length and the athleticism and all that to guard whoever you want him to well, guard on the other end of the floor. And they switch everything anyways because, that's I mean, they're trying to protect sure. and beat as much as they can. But all I'm saying is that, that you... He is such a defensive asset because of, of, of the body type and the athleticism that he has. Uh, I don't know how good a defender he is in terms of either desire. And I'm not saying he, does, I'm not saying he doesn't want it. I'm just saying I, I truly don't know in relation to other NBA players where he stacks up defensively in that regard or in just the, the learning of the game. He's still a very young player. But... In terms of what you're able to do, what he allows you to do defensively in rotation, none of that changes. And and yet, now you can have... who If you are forcing another team to put another big in the game to try and defend him on the block, now you've, you, you've, altered, you've altered the board, right? I mean, you've changed the board, and I think that... I, I, you know, let's put it like this. If those two guys are on your team, you can't be worse than sixth in the East, you know? So and Brett Brown, as I was saying, he's used up all that goodwill. He he's coaching for his job. Absolutely, he is. coaching for his job right now. So you know, everybody likes Brett Brown. I like Brett Brown, but at the end of the day, you, you got to be better than this. And so you got to change something, and he's done it, or it, it looks like he's doing it. We'll see what what in fact happens. Ben Simmons offensively in transition is one of the best guys in the entire league. The fact that he's averaged like 18 to 19 points per game without literally being able to make a shot outside of 10 feet is is it's actually crazy. I mean, he could be a 24-point-per-game scorer if he just fills the lane three more times a game, right? I mean, getting, getting two or three extra buckets in transition when you're not the one initiating the transition, 
I've always thought that Ben Simmons was most like James Worthy, and he's been pinned most like Magic Johnson instead. And I think that that's been detrimental to his career. Mm. It's so interesting to, to analyze like the way that the game has changed and how it's impacted certain specific guys. Because Ben Simmons, like right now in the league, you need a point guard who can isolate or that can run high ball screen stuff and run pick and roll. Ben Simmons can't really do either of those. So now when you're in the half court, you add in that he can't shoot and he just becomes a largely irrelevant piece of your team. And again, even if you're playing him at the power forward, that does not mean he can't still play point forward. doesn't mean he can, can't just still grab the rebound and initiate the fast break like he's so good at anyways. I think it's a great move for his career. But you look at like the way that the, way that the game's changed and some of the guys that that's impacted so much. Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell have been doing these redraftable podcasts. You know, taking a draft and saying, how will we pick it now, now that we know what we know 10 or 12 years later? But one guy they were talking about was Kevin Love. And Kevin Love deserves a ton of credit for, for going outside of what, what was his main moneymaker for the first 25 years of his life, being able to be a pick-and-pop type stretch four who kind of just stood in the corner and shot threes while LeBron James made everything happen. I don't think Kevin Love gets enough credit for that. That said, Kevin Love m- might have been uh, inside track to the Hall of Fame if he would have been able to stay. I mean, Kevin Love was the single best offensive rebounder in the entire NBA. Yeah. And he was a 25-12 and 12 guy. And granted, he was a 25-12 and 12 guy in Minnesota. I don't think he is good enough to be a 25-12 and 12 guy on a championship team. I don't. But if he's playing with somebody else, like say he's playing with like Steve Nash and those Suns teams and he can still keep playing the four and just getting offensive rebounds and you know throwing – I mean, he's the best outlet passer in the entire league – initiating the fast break like that, how much different would his career have gone, right? I mean, Chris Bosh is the same thing, right? Because they got a chance to play with LeBron, then they had to redefine what their skill set was. They deserve a ton of credit for doing that, but also it had a detrimental effect on them. I think this Ben Simmons thing is that in reverse, though. I think that this could be the thing that really opens things up because I think, again, I think you can still have him do everything that he's done at an all-star level in the league already, but now, like you said, he becomes a much greater defensive asset. It stratifies your lineup to a much higher degree, and he's going to be able to use some of the skills that he hasn't been able to use as prevalently now moving forward. It's the move they had to make, and I I do agree. I think that Brett Brown is coaching for his job, and this could be the move, though, that saves it. Last thing. I know they're playing in Orlando, but Vegas still comes in and is impactful. The Bucks. Are plus two seventy five. They're the top, uh, you know, best uh, best odds out of the East. The Lakers plus one eighty out of the West. The Clippers plus three twenty five. After that, it just gets long odds. Toronto's plus seventeen hundred. Boston plus fifteen hundred. Uh, Denver plus twenty two hundred. Utah plus six thousand. You said, uh, what is the best bet? Who you're taking? Like, what what's the best value play here? Well, I'm interested in winning. As far as I can tell, there's only three teams that can actually win the whole thing. And so they're the teams that got, you know, the shortest odds on the board, rightfully so. So, I mean, take your pick, whoever you like from there. But you're not going to get a great return. Out of the teams that you mentioned, I probably like Boston the most at plus 1,500. But I don't know what the number is on it. I'll take $10 and put it on the Portland Trailblazers. Ooh. Not, you know, because the return that you're going to get with a team that was in the Western Conference Finals a year ago has been banged up all season and now finally has all their pieces presumably together to go play basketball, you know, it would take, it would take a monumental upset in the first round because they, if they, they, they would only, they only have an opportunity to be the eight seed. That's the, yeah, that's it. So they will be playing the Los Angeles Lakers if they're in at all. But if they did it, I don't know, you know. 
You want a return on it? Give me Portland. There you go. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, the NFL team in the nation's capital is getting a new name. Motives aside, it's probably the right thing to do. We'll talk about it right after this. The second annual Smoke on the Water presents Fire in the Hole. It's a nine-hole golf scramble. You ready for this? Saturday, July 25th, it's at the Linda Vista Golf Course. Registration starts at 1. The shotgun start begins begins at 2. Festivities will be going until 8 p.m. There's prizes on every hole, including, how about this, a brand-new motorcycle and a side-by-side from Grizzly Harley-Davidson. Exhibitors include Glacier Distilling, Milkaf Cigars, Big Sky Cigars, and Cattle Baron Cigars. They also have Fine Spirits from the Rhino, a live and silent auction both. They include original artwork from Daniel James, a guided fishing trip, a a pheasant hunting trip, and a signed bottle of Jesse James bourbon, as well as four rounds of golf at the Country Club and more. If you would like to check out uh, auction items, you can go ahead and do that online. Uh, cigarsonthewater.com is where you go to register. Tickets are $125. You can view all the auction items online. Again, at cigarsonthewater.com. July 25th. It's a Saturday. It's a nine-hole scramble. going to be a ton of fun. Cigarsonthewater.com to find out everything else you need to know about it. Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy, nice to be with you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We're certainly happy to be with all of you. We are uh, all over Twitter as well, if you're looking for us. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN. That's Skyline Sports MT, uh, your relevant Twitter handles. Coulter, the Washington football team is just that right now. The NFL franchise in the nation's capital is uh, retiring both the name Redskins and the logo associated with it. Uh, the initial reports are that they want to maintain their, what is it, maroon and gold off yellow and off red, as I say, uh, color scheme, uh, but that they are going to be picking a different, uh, uh, you know, logo moniker for the team. Um, Listen, I understand that people are hugely tied to their teams and their names and the histories that are associated with them. Um, This one's got to go. Uh, and it probably had to go a long time ago. I know that there was a bunch of high schools in the 90s that had this as their name that got away with the, you know, that, that ridded themselves of them at that time. Um, and, you know, Daniel Snyder doing this now, listen, we understand at least to some degree everything that has happened in the past two months 
that was sparked and instigated from the uh, the killing of George Floyd. This certainly is, it seems to me, part of that. But also, it's about money, man. And when 100%. 87 investors representing like $660 billion are calling FedEx because they play at FedEx Field and saying, don't do business with this team until this team changes their names. Look, man, it is what it is. Daniel Snyder, you you get out of here. He's not making any decision because he believes anything other than what he's already said, which he was adamant he's not doing. He's not changing the name. He got no interest in changing the name and so on and so forth. The logo is a little bit different to me. I think the logo is also. I don't. I don't. I don't find it to be. It's offensive when it's paired with the name because the name is offensive. Like it just. It did. That's if if you want to sit here and highlight all the analogs of what that name would equate to if it was taken with other races it's hugely offensive so that's got to go the logo itself is uh is is i i think an interesting one a cool one i don't think it's a caricature as such i think it's a, a a pretty honest and viable rendering that said if you're going to get rid of the name it's pretty hard to retain any attachment to Native Americans and, and you know, say, okay, not that anymore, this. So, that you know, you probably just do away with the whole thing entirely and start again from scratch, which it sounds like they're going to do. The, the change in an exploitative fashion is the thing that bothers me the most about this because I, I do agree with you. I think that the name itself, Redskins, is... It's a derogatory slur, slur referring to indigenous peoples of, of the Americas. At the same time, I, I believe that the vast majority of Native Americans had great pride in the fact that they were represented in the, in the NFL by the Washington Redskins, despite the name. When you talk about the logo, though, that brings us all the way home to Montana. Because that logo, I mean, it was designed by and fashioned after... Walter Blackie Wetzel, who was, uh, he grew up on the Blackie Reservation. He was eventually elected the president of the National Congress of American Indians in Washington, D.C. He was inter- instrumental when the Redskins changed from the, the R to the actual depiction of the uh, the Blackfoot Warrior, basically, mm-hmm. is what it is. I mean, that that's designed after a Montana Native American. Mm-hmm. That, that part is, I think... Man, I'm just I'm so stuck on this because I think that this is a long time coming, but it makes me sick that they're doing it only because of financial reasons, only to be reactionary in the climate that we live in, only to save six hundred billion dollars. When it, Daniel Snyder's dug his heels in on this forever, yes. But then I mean I you know we we share mutual friends that are um, very entrenched and, and still uh, have a lot of ties to, and in, in some cases even live on the Blackfeet Reservation. Yep. I mean, a couple of my best friends growing up my whole life were, were Blackfeet, and uh, one of their uncles, he works, he, he grew up in Browning on the Blackfeet Reservation, and yep. he now works for the Washington Redskins uh, as a sort of liaison, and, and he has been in full support of the maintaining of this logo as well as the name, and he, he posted on social media the other day, I'm, I'm heartbroken that this is happening. To me, he said, this is the, a great homage to our heritage, and the fact that it's going away, it, it hurts. But he also mentioned that, hey, you know, at the end of the day, get beyond your own personal feelings because even if it is financially motivated, it's still 
uh, a mechanism for change. And that part, I think, is good. But, I mean, this is something that's definitely, I think, going to resonate in Montana more than almost any other place. Because as we know, I mean, significant Native American population in Montana, seven Native American reservations in the state of Montana, which I believe is the most of any state in the country, or at least close to. And, I mean, the Blackfeet are one of the proudest people that we have in the United States. And I think that by and large, they will mostly be the peoples of the Blackfeet Nation will mostly be sad about the, the, at least the changing of the logo because it is an homage to one of their great leaders. Yeah, I I uh, I don't have I know I know what you're speaking about and I understand what you're saying. And again, when it comes to the logo, I think that there's you know th- th- that particular depiction um, you know has uh, I think it resonates. You know, I think there's some really you know things to like about it. I don't know that I can get past that being paired with that term and say that, you know, ultimately it comes out for the better. Also, being the Anglo-Saxon that I am, I don't have any... I I don't... I I, I just... I, I defer nationwide to all of the native groups from, from, you know, from Atlantic to Pacific to, you know, as, as to whether this would be uh, you know, something that they would like or not. I, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know the answer to that question from that group, but I do understand why it happens. Here's one thing that is, I think is, is difficult for me. And if I can broach the subject a little bit, it's okay. But the Florida state Seminoles. Okay. Now the the, the tribe of the Seminole Indians in the Florida panhandle and, and the history that is there, um, I had no problem with the Florida State Florida State University being the Seminoles, okay? But here's where I don't and I truly mean this. I'm not saying I'm not saying I don't know aka I'm not for it. I I I don't know what I think about this. Before the football game, what happens? A guy on a white horse comes out with a spear. I think it's on fire even, isn't it, on the back of it? Yeah. Rides out to the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. Horse goes up on two legs and throws it in. There's a level at which, first of all, it's cool. Second of all, it you know it gets the crowd going for whatever it's worth. And there is a level at which I could see that as being a very... Something that would, would be well-received by the Seminole Indians as they are today. Saying, hey, look, here's this guy out here representing, you know... Us who were here, you know, first and 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 you know our our way of life and the, the whole thing. I can also see it being hugely offensive as a just white person caricature of us as you know some warring you know horseback you know peoples that are out here and they're doing this in the in the form just to get a football game started. I have no idea. Which of those, the Seminole Indians or any other tribe, would find to be, whether they would be for it or against it, not care, indifferent, whatever it is. But I also think that's one of the reasons why this becomes such a point of ambiguity for a lot of people. Because I think there's, it's not clear that there's anything wrong with what they're doing at Florida State. It's not clear to me anyway that there's that there's anything, you know, that it's okay either. I don't know. So, you know, you sit here and you kind of live in this tension with this a little bit, at least to me. There's so many different layers to this because 
the Arlie Warriors, for example, they rose to national prominence mm-hmm. in recent years. And Arlie, as we know, is, is on the, the Flathead Salish Reservation, but right on the border, very close to uh, what amounts to, like you were saying earlier, you know, a, a metropolitan area by Montana standards. Well, for sure. Uh, but, it, you know, it's a it's a very mixed population at that school. But if you've ever been to a Arlie Warriors basketball game, it's filled with pageantry and ceremony that stems from Native American culture. And it's one of the coolest things you'll ever see. I mean, when they welcome the team onto the floor with the drums and a lot, a lot of the guys are wearing the, the spiritual headdresses. I mean, that sort of stuff is awesome. And when you're doing it for your own people in front of your own people, I think there's no controversy attached to that whatsoever. I mean, the Browning... Certainly. Right, like, Browning High School is the Browning Indians. Yeah. That's the name that they want to be called in the heart of the Blackfeet Reservation. And I think that is 100% awesome. Well, of I think, course. I think yeah. that should be maintained. But then it becomes more slip, slippery. But harken back to about... Oh, this was probably about... 10 years ago, maybe maybe a dozen years ago, Sports Illustrated, in conjunction with state governments across the United States, conducted a massive poll of both Native and non-Native peoples. And they got a huge amount of feedback from tribes all across the United States asking directly, tribal leaders as well as other people that lived on reservations or used to live on reservations, saying, what do you think of the name the Illinois Illini, the Florida State Seminoles? What do you think of mm-hmm. that? It came back like 94% of Native peoples thought, we love these names, keep them, Mm -hmm. it's all good. The one tribe that didn't want it was the Sioux, Mm. and that was in North Dakota. And that's why the fighting Sioux of the University of North Dakota then became nothing for a while. Yeah. And then became the fighting fighting hawks. But that that was, you know, overwhelmingly, it was largely supported. And so, I mean, to bring this back around to Montana— this is Lance Wetzel, who is the nephew of Blackie Wetzel. He said, I think it's the logo change is disheartening. I wish they would really have considered at least sticking with the imagery. I could do without the name, but the imagery and the logo is a depiction of a real Native American, a real Native American warrior. It's not a cartoon That's like right. the Cleveland Indians. It's not a mockery. Chief Wahoo is... is- which has been retired, I believe, right, by the Cleveland Indians. Yes. They're no longer... You- I mean, that is that is... Just, uh, just blatantly horrendous. Right. That that icon in terms of what it is when you look at it, and and it's it's good that it's gone. But you're right. The the Washington icon is 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 a very I think uh, an honest and legitimate one and a, and a good one. And, and you wonder because because of the I mean it is absolutely one of the, the definitive brands in all of sports. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you wonder if maybe they they double back. And keep the imagery and the logo and just figure out a new name. I will say this. Evidently, Ron Rivera and Daniel Snyder are working together to come up with a new name. Normally, this is something that you hire out, but they, maybe they don't Daniel have the Snyder time has to. to have his hands in everything so that he can then in turn... I reserve it. the right to crush him on whatever oh, selection man. gets picked. I'm not saying I will. I'm just saying I reserve the right to do so. By the way, for what it's worth, I think this is also worth mentioning. There are a million voices better than yours and mine to discuss this. You reached out to the liaison who you have contact with for the for for Washington who you know was was part of the creating of the logo and the icon that they've used to come on the show and the organization said no no employees are allowed to speak on this at this time so we we did effort that and we will hopefully maybe be able to to maybe circle back and in due course uh have have somebody who's been 
in this room in part of these discussions and uh, and and uh, have them on the show so we can hear you know somebody who's who's actually been there a little bit. It's Tutel Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Quick break on the other side. We'll take a little look ahead in the week what we got coming up, and uh, maybe even get into why quarterbacks seem to be exiting USC. So all of that right after this, boys and girls. It's summertime. It's beautiful outside. And it is time to get out of doors. No better place to do that than with Kurtz Polaris. Kurtz Polaris, 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. They have Beta and Husqvarna dirt bikes. You like going on two wheels, going fast, getting a little bit dirty. That's the way you do it. Top of the line dirt bikes at Kurtz Polaris. Their full range of Polaris side-by-sides, including the Ranger, the Razor, the General. Have fun. Get worked on whatever you need to do. They got it there for you. And now Crest Pontoon Boats. Crest Pontoon Boats. Get them out on the lake. Man, I saw some pontoon boats going out there, and it was like, what am I doing? Why am I here in my canoe when I could be over at Curse Polaris living life the way it was meant to be with leisure and joy on the water with a Crest pontoon boat? Go online, CurtisPolaris.com, and enjoy summer the way it was meant to be. Curse Polaris, Missoula, and Sealy. Again, online, CurtisPolaris.com. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf and nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high-quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they are talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. You can tell that we haven't been doing this very much because we got no time. Check out the podcast. Keep telling them on this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Available thanks to... Alpine Touch and Blackfoot. Boys and girls, what a fun show. What a fun, particularly final segment that we've just had. That's right. I say it in the past tense because that's the way the thing goes. What do you know? JT Daniels transferred out of USC going to Georgia. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 